0: Killing Eve season three, episode three. Meetings have biscuits, and by the way, so do podcasts. Is over, but we are just getting started here on post-show recaps, talking about Killing Eve. I'm Josh Wigler. I'm joined here by Jessica Lee. Uh, just, Jess, what's that smell?
1: Um, it's biscuits. <laughs> I'm withholding the biscuits. Uh-huh. Um, they smell like power yeah. and lust. And revenge, and I will give you one after you tell me what the point of view is. Yeah,
0: uh, I, I'm trying to think of what my like definition of power as a smell would be. Uh, like, I feel like by the end of this, if we haven't come up with anything even remotely in the vicinity of as vivid as Villanelle's description of power as a smell, um, then I feel like we we have failed. We have failed as Killing Eve podcasters.
1: I really, honestly, I think Villanelle should have walked right out of that store because that guy was not picking up on her no, vibe. not at all. And it really seems <laughs> like you're going to drop that much money for a custom scent. Yeah. You need someone who knows what's up. And she just walks in and she tells him what she wants. And any scent dealer worth their salt would have been like, here, I've got exactly the thing for you. And he'd just like pull it out from underneath the desk. Yeah. And this guy's like, how about a nice floral? And this guy's also a sexist yeah. because- <laughs> yeah. I mean, when did she ask for a floor? Never. Just GTFO. Never. Like that guy. She should have killed that guy right then and there and got into a shop where they know what they're talking
0: about. Highly likely that off screen she killed that guy and just went behind the counter and tried all the different smells and found power for herself.
1: Yeah, I think that makes more sense than anything else. Although, you know, we have talked about this before. Villanelle is not super great at killing people when it's not her job.
0: Right, right. She may have maimed him badly. But yeah, left him alive to report to the police in some capacity.
1: I would guess that he, yeah, he would probably if she didn't like just complete the transaction and get out of there. He'd probably report that he seems like the kind of guy that has a panic button in his perfume store.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, what's the name of the the John Hurt character from Harry Potter? Oliver Tolliver, something like. that Oliver. Oliver. This, is this like the Oliver of perfumes? This guy.
1: Well, you know, the interesting thing is my first thought when we're talking about custom scents and how we create something that smells like exactly what we want it to smell like, there is actually some Harry Potter precedent to that. So it's not the first time my brain has gone to Harry Potter in the last five seconds.
0: Yeah, uh, so custom scents, I feel like, is a is a real like pie-in-the-sky thing to have right now when we're all just struggling for common sense. Um, but, you know, whatever you can get, whatever you can get your hands on, Jess— Uh, at this point in time. Um, It's true. uh, So I don't know about uh, if we're going to be able to exude the smell of power here on this podcast, but we want to sound powerful. We want to make people gag with it. We want to sound like Roman centurions who've become emperors, who've become podcasters. So I guess actually like a lack of power is (laughs) is is what has happened. A real fall from grace is what has happened as we are here talking Killing Eve season three, episode three. Meetings half biscuits, another great episode title here, uh Killing Eve. I expect nothing less from this show at this point,
1: yeah, the titles are really maybe the one of the singular highlights of this season so far i'm I'm just really enjoying looking at what the title is and trying to figure out from that anything that could happen. I think that is. That is harder than the Sunday New York Times crossword puzzle.
0: It's tough. It's tough. Uh, Meanings have biscuits. Uh, We we get that pretty early on in the episode uh, as uh, as Bitter Pill and MI6 are starting to trade notes a little bit uh, in the case of the curious case of what happened to poor Kenny. Um, But that's just one of the many storylines this week. This is also um, obviously... It's a reunion uh, and an unexpected one, at least for me. Last week, we found out about Villanelle getting Eve back on her radar and Eve getting Villanelle back on her radar and the different reactions uh, about that news. And I don't know about you, but I definitely didn't expect them to collide again literally so quickly. Usually the the Eve and Villanelle scenes are reserved for episode five is what the case was in both seasons one and two uh, and here it's coming in episode three. So I was a little bit sideswiped by the timing, which I think is the point, right? Like, I think we're supposed to be as caught off guard as as Eve is. Even when Villanelle's in London, I still did not anticipate that she was going to be meeting up again with Eve so quickly. So, I don't know. All around, a lot to talk about and a really, really fun episode. I think best episode of season three so far pretty easily for me.
1: I mean, there were not as, much, there was not as many clowns as the previous episode. <laughs> sure. <laughs> So there is that. <laughs> what does a clown but, smell like? Yeah. I I feel like I would say yes except not enough clowns. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know if a clown smells like power, certainly like powder. Uh Yeah. But uh and uh, subject to interpretation of what kind of powder the clown smells like. Uh it smells like something though.
1: Yeah, I I don't I try not to get too close to clowns in order to smell them. Yeah.
0: Uh typically not my favorite thing to do as well. Uh, not necessarily recommended, but it's your life. Do what you guys want to do. All right, so let's talk about the episode first, of course. Uh, we do have our Killing Eve podcast feed is available. You can subscribe to that wherever you get your podcasts and your ratings and reviews. Greatly, greatly appreciated as we are looking for more Killing Eve fans to come and find us, to, to come and find us as we're talking about Killing Eve. So please check that out. Please leave your ratings and reviews if you have a moment. You can also send us feedback killing eve at post show you can hit us up on twitter as well i'm at round howard jess is at haymaker hattie and you can also tag at post show recaps this is our main post show recaps account uh so jess let's talk about meetings have biscuits and i feel like there's at least you know three or four sort of i think like probably like three distinct storylines even if um the Eve and Carolyn stuff is, you know, bobbing and weaving in and out of each other, uh, and even the Eve and Villanelle stuff is bobbing and weaving in and out of each other. Uh, but all three of these characters are getting really big storylines in this episode. Uh, where do you, where do you want to start, or do you think it makes sense to even just kind of go through sequentially this week?
1: This feels to me like because everything is so intertwined, I really think we need to start at the top of the episode.
0: Okay, so let's do that. So so we start off with another great Villanelle is on assignment. Uh, she's she's still in Spain. She's in Andalusia? Andalusia? Mm-hmm. Andalusia, I
1: think. <laughs> no, Andalusia is a different uh, okay. show, Josh. Sorry,
0: sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, coming back. Uh, and Villanelle is undercover as... Uh, a piano repair person? Yeah, piano
1: tuner, piano tuner. it seems like. that the like. title? Um, okay. That is the title. Um, Josh, in another life, I think I would have been a piano tuner. This was something I've always wanted to do, but unfortunately, it's a hard field to break into. I imagine. And it's hard to fake convincingly. I would not say that I thought Villanelle was doing a terribly great job out of it. And also, that's kind of not what a piano that's not in tune sounds like.
0: Yeah. Uh, my wife would probably be very good at this. She has uh, she has perfect pitch. Uh, she was uh, a violinist for a very long time. Uh, and she, she could, like, pluck a note out of thin air. So I bet she'd be a great piano tuner. Um, but she is not, and neither is Villanelle. But what, Villan- <laughs> but what Villanelle is is a lethal assassin who can turn a tuning fork into a throwing dagger. Uh, put this on the list of coolest Villanelle kills instantly.
1: I don't know. Really? I loved me, it.
0: I thought it was awesome.
1: It's There's so much margin of error, Josh.
0: Apparently like, not. Even
1: if you're an expert darts player, this is hard to do. I feel like she could have missed very easily. I mean, she didn't. And the fact that she didn't makes it a pretty cool kill. But I was waiting for that to like just like go past the lady and like sink into one of her very expensive paintings.
0: Well, that would have been hysterical, first of all. Uh, But the fact that she does this twice on two throws, on two throws with a single shot, she kills two separate people. That means she's probably forget perfect pitch. uh, She's got perfect pitch as far as like a baseball pitch. She's got like, (laughs) you know, she's like a bang on aim. Uh, She's never going to miss the strike zone. This was really impressive to me. She's two for two in terms of tuning fork kills. And I bet she's going to retire from the game after that. I can't imagine we ever see a tuning fork kill ever again on this show.
1: Well, the thing is, Josh, if you stick a sharp object into someone's head, and you know, you and I spend a lot of time watching people stick sharp objects into people's heads. Fictionally, because, fictionally,
0: fictionally. It's important to note. Isn't yeah, <laughs> I,
1: I mean, if you turned the podcast off right there, like, ah! you probably got the wrong idea. <laughs> but in our other... Gig as podcasters on post show recaps together. We talk a lot about The Walking Dead and we talk a lot about how you have to sever the brain stem before it's considered a complete zombie kill. And it it gets uneven sometimes where, like, somebody can just like kick a zombie once in the head and they're dead, but another time you're like fumbling around, like trying to get the exact right spot with that knife. And we know that human skulls are very hard. We know that there are only a few places where you can. Firm a kill, and that target is very, very tiny. This is this is why this feels a little hinky to me. Like I'm sure Villanelle has perfect aim, and I'm sure that she's practiced this a lot. But I feel like this is a kill where the margin of error is just too wide. Like you could really, you could just like graze her neck, and we did sort of see. Like, you know Vill- Villanelle doesn't make mistakes in Line of Duty, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, where. You thought for a second that maybe she had, but she really didn't. But when she's on the job, she's 100% on the job. Still, this is a really hard thing to pull off. And it's amazing that she did it not once, but twice.
0: That's why she's so bored. She's so good at everything, you know?
1: Maybe that's why she didn't try to kill the baby, because it's a much smaller target.
0: Yeah, maybe that's why. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was very intense. When she comes into the room and there's the woman with the baby and she's, you know, throwing like she's aiming the tuning fork at the baby. And the woman's like, no, 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 please don't. And she's getting such a kick out of it. Uh, And this is like the tension of the show is you you root for Villanelle at times because it's fun too even though she's literally a psychopath. Uh, And even in a moment like this, like you don't know whether you're supposed to be like fully horrified or if this is funny and somehow it's kind of both even when she kills this poor woman uh, and is kidnapping this baby like I couldn't help but like leave that scene when we when we smashed to the title without like you know sort of just like laughing in spite of myself I don't know what your emotional reaction was to all of it
1: well it definitely wasn't yeah yeah get the baby of course yeah it was it was strange I think it is meant to remind you that Villanelle is not necessarily the person we want to win the day here. It's She is like some parts of things that Villanelle says and does. You're kind of like right with her. You're like, yes, you're doing like the Meryl Streep gif where you're clapping and like pointing at her because she – frequently says things that we always want to say but can't and then you get to a moment like this where it's like oh yeah she says and does those things because she's a freaking psychopath and especially the thing that drove that drove that home for me was you know why are you so concerned about this it's not even your baby right like that's not something that a person with any kind of compassion or soul is going to say right. and that makes you really Not want to root for Villanelle, even though, you know, she's kind of kidding. And maybe that was just for me, like one of those moments where we've seen Villanelle try to make a joke and nobody around her gets it. Maybe that was just me being the stick in the mud that doesn't understand dark Russian humor.
0: Yeah, I think it's I think it's one of those moments that's really and and even like a, a couple scenes later. When, when Dasha takes the baby and puts the baby in the trash can, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is, I mean, it's, it's funny as a visual because it's like, oh, my God. Um, but Villanelle is getting such a rise out of it. Uh, I, I do think, you know, it's a shorthand of reminding us that Villanelle has some stuff that is uh, awry, uh, that, you know, there are just some things that just do not click. She does not have empathy. She does not really have compassion um and why is that is that a product of her circumstances and the way that she was raised by the 12 is it something from birth we don't really know is it some product of the two um and i think that that's all really fascinating so that jody comer plays so 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 well uh but this was just one of those that like i i was like laughing in this like way that was like oh this is so awful uh like i just couldn't like help but feel just like you know when, like, something just horrifies you to the point of, like, hysterics? That's, like, where I felt I was at by the end of the scene. Yeah,
1: that's that's a very good way of putting yeah. it. And I really think maybe my role in all of this podcasting is just to point out all of the ways where I feel like Villanelle takes too many risks. Yeah. if like she's going to be a perfect assassin because this is another place, and maybe this is more on Dasha, but they're sitting at a cafe— and they have a high chair there and there is no baby in the high chair and a 100 yards away, there's a baby in the garbage can. Yeah, And nobody's looking around to see, like, who put the baby in the garbage can. Nobody sees this happen. Nobody witnesses it and nobody thinks to look around and, oh, yeah, over, look, 10 o'clock, empty high chair and two women laughing their asses out.
0: Yeah, forget like, that. Like, Dasha, like, picks the baby up. Goes into the center of the square, puts the baby in a trash can, walks back to the table, and she and Villeneuve are still there carrying on their conversation while everybody is rushing to the baby and having, like, a huge reaction to there being a baby there. How did they pull that off? It's a, like, a severe indictment on everybody else in the area.
1: How did that even happen? That was very, you know, they're, they're so sloppy. For perfect assassins, they are so sloppy
0: uh very very sloppy indeed all right so uh on the other side of the coin um there is this alliance that's being forged between MI6 and bitter pill now that eve has come to carolyn and been like all right they've got a thumb drive i've got the phone let's see what we can put together uh she comes to to carolyn carolyn is in the bathtub uh she does all of her best thinking in the bath uh is what she says uh, and she's like, if Mo can handle it, you can handle it. And Mo's like, I have not been, I have not looked up in ten minutes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Mo's
1: like, I'm not really handling.
0: it uh, This is a great Carolyn episode. She's got a lot going on in this one.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, we almost lost Carolyn this episode. Let's not forget. That's
0: true. That's true. I think that there's like, uh, well, there's like deeply hung over Carolyn in this episode. Is on the is on the move. Uh, I think justifiably so. Uh, but uh, that is that is very much a part of uh, Carolyn's whole deal this week. Um, but Carolyn and, and the guy at Bitter Pill, Jamie, uh, plus Bear, uh, who, who I believe that's his name, the guy who, yeah, the guy who's crushing, yeah, he's very aptly named as he's just a big gummy bear enthusiast. Uh, I heard of Once You Pop, You Just Can't Stop for Pringles. I didn't hear about that for gummy bears, but apparently that's Bear's philosophy with the, with the Haribo gummy bear.
1: It's probably a different slogan in the UK. It might be. So. Maybe they just use that for something else. Are
0: these not the gummy bears that like have all of those like wretched reviews on Amazon? Is that a different no, kind of those gummy? Those are bear?
1: the sugar free gummy uh-huh. bears. Yeah. And the problem with the sugar free gummy bears, like they may be haribo made, but they're made with xylitol, which is which has a laxative effect, and that's why people write the bad reviews. But the haribo bears with the sugar in them are the gold standard of gummies. Yeah.
0: I've been pretty nervous to try a gummy bear ever since uh I started reading some of those reviews of how gummy bears were tearing people up inside. It's like I yeah, just don't can't have any of that. take the
1: ones with xylitol. Yeah, yeah. All
0: right. So just go for like will be fine. Uh,
1: regular gummy okay. bears.
0: All right. All right. Well, next time I go to the movies in 6 years, I'll remember this. I'll say, your, yeah. Does your your gummy bears have are they the real sugar kind or is this the kind that's going to rip me rip me to shreds like I got like I swallowed a tuning fork? Uh, so I'll I'll make sure to to, to figure that out. They're going to trade. Uh, they're going to divide and conquer. Right. That's the plan It's like we've got the phone. Uh, They've got the thumb drive. Let's trade information. Let's see what we've got. Uh, Eve is trying to get everybody to play nicely. Uh, Geraldine has the great crack of like, oh, it's the most parenting this house has ever seen.
1: Yeah. Is she just going to, like, hang out in the background and make fun of them the whole the whole season? What is, is that her job?
0: What is Geraldine's job in this situation? Uh, is it just to, like, help bring out and I mean and I mean, like, what's her job As in like, what's her role on the show? Is she just here to bring out like a softer side of Carolyn, a different side of Carolyn to help be sort of like an emotional foil for Carolyn? Or is she a spy? Is she a secret member of the Twelve? Is she going to be a leaker to the Twelve because she knows all the stuff and nobody's counting her in on anything? Mole Patrol. Well, Josh, we
1: talked about this last mole week. Mole Patrol. Geraldine is not a
0: mole. Mole Patrol. No. Gummy mole. She's an unwitting mole. Gummy mole. She
1: is. Yeah, I don't need to be Anderson Cooper to know that she's not
0: the mole. Okay, all right. Well, I'm just keeping an eye out. Just keeping an eye out.
1: I, I think that she... Is probably I think everybody assumes that she is such a civilian that it's OK for her to be in on these meetings just because she has no skills that will be at all useful whatsoever. And I would imagine that somewhere in the season, she's going to know how to do something that nobody else knows how to do. But for now, it's like the best thing you can do is like be snarky in the background.
0: She's great. However, Great. Great to have yeah. uh, great to have Gemma Whalen on the show. You are a great joy for life. Um, at Bitter Pill, this is where Eve uh, has a, a hilarious line to bear when he says uh, when he's offering her some gummy bears and says once you pop you just can't stop. She goes after like a beat. She's like, you can. It's it's just about self control. <laughs> <laughs> like oh i feel that very deeply because i don't have any either bear i definitely don't uh and so they they crack into this account because kenny had um had the the password basically scrawled out on the rubik's cube it's panda that's based on fat panda from season one uh the guy who in berlin uh went to the to like the 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 medical fetish medical fetish yeah exactly Uh, I love this from Eve, which is like, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna catch you all up, but as soon as I do, your lives are gonna be in danger." They're like, "Okay, so don't catch us up." She's like, "Okay, so there's this organization called the Twelve. Uh, (laughs) it just does not give them any choice whatsoever. Um, But this is cool that this is really tying back into season one. um, That the thing that Kenny's investigating is this account that's linked to uh, this case. Uh, One of the very first cases that they worked on together uh, is is everything that happened in Berlin. Uh, and they bring up Frank again. Uh, I think, is it, is it in this scene where they're like, what happened to Frank? Uh, he lost he <laughs> lost his knob, and then he died. And he's like, Jamie's like, in that order?
1: Uh, <laughs> I think, didn't they not ever figure out whether or not it was in that
0: order? No, I don't think they know. I, I mean, I think we know, because Villanelle said to yeah. Frank, like, I'm going to kill you very nicely, but then I'm going to do very bad things to your body. Uh, yes. So I believe that's the order, at least if we want to believe Villanelle. I think uh, she has no real reason to lie about that. I expect that that's probably how it went. Yeah, Um, I
1: I guess. But I I do love it when TV shows that have been on for several seasons will suddenly harken back to something that happened very early on. I think that rewards the binge watchers among us, but it also. It rewards the people that have the deep dive into the continuity and reminds you that everything makes sense. And I think. Many shows have done this recently. There was actually there was a long arc on the recently ended show. And Josh, I know you're very familiar with this program, The Magicians,
0: Mm. (laughs) because allegedly you were on it. I was. I was a founding member of the show. I don't know about founding member, but. uh,
1: Yeah. No, you were a late later season edition. But there was a relationship dynamic between two of the characters that they spent a whole episode in, I think season three exploring between the two of them and they kind of lived this whole lifetime in another universe and fell in love and were life partners. And then it wasn't mentioned again for another like season and a half. And then they come back to it and they're like, remember that one episode where we spent a whole lifetime as life partners? And yeah, maybe that kind of is bringing stuff up for us. And I loved it. They're just like, Remember the early episodes? Yeah, you should have continued to remember what happened in the past because it's all going to come back around. And so that was just on another show on any kind of procedural. This would be one kill that happened several seasons ago and we'd never be asked to remember it again. Yeah. Because it's not even like the guest star was somebody famous. Like when they do this on Law and Order, right? It'll be like the one where Robin Williams was a serial killer and then they bring him back two seasons later to be a serial killer again. This is like. Oh, just one random kill that was very early on while we were still establishing what we were about. This is going to come back around and this is going to be important. And that makes me so happy that it's all going to connect to something.
0: Yeah. You know what I think is interesting? You know, the way that Killing Eve is made with different showrunners coming in every year and there's people who are uh who are tracking it across the way sally woodward gentle is the executive producer across the whole show but even phoebe waller bridge and emerald fennel are available to suzanne heathcote who's the who's the new showrunner um for for reference uh that's what that's what suzanne heathcote told me when i when i interviewed her is that she's had a lot of conversations with everybody involved who was involved in it in the past I think that this is the great thing about having a fresh set of eyes. So you have, you can lean on the people who worked on the stuff. Like that's like the padding underneath the trapeze wire um, that you're going to have to, you're going to have to walk as the person who's in charge of the show. But there's a lot of prep that you're going to do to like start that high wire act. And that's definitely going to involve going back, binging the show copious note, taking and annotation and like diving into like, specific corners of the show that either haven't been touched in a while or at least like tracking like what's available to us, what's here, what can we pick up. Um and I have to imagine that's a piece of the process here. Uh so I I really, really love that. I think like a fresh set of eyes goes back and as a fan first, right? Like as somebody who who loves the material is like, oh yeah, everything that happened in Berlin, we can start tying that into whatever our new like kind of like active energy on the show this year is. Um, so I love that i think I think that that 's really great what we what we come to find out is this money from this account that was going to frank um it 's been dormant ever since he died, but it reactivated in the last three months. Um, it moved over to Geneva, and like six million euros have been transferred over to this account uh, and they need m i six to to follow the money um, which is where we get the great scene between Eve and Moe where he's uh, where she's catching him up on everything. uh, And he says, uh, you should probably be protected with everything that's going on. He's like, don't you know what happens to people who get protected by MI6? It's not good. But I,
1: I loved the, I loved the delivery here though. this This was, this was the best thing because I think Eve expected him to not say anything back. When she says this, don't you have any idea what happens to people who are protected by MI6? Like that's a rhetorical question, and then Mo, like a douche, is like, "No, what happens to people?" Yeah, and and she's caught off guard by that. Like the exchange between the two of them is just so revealing of what kind
0: of people they both are. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It was great, though. That's one of my favorite line reads uh, in a long time. it's, it's not good. <laughs> it's just
1: yeah. I mean. <laughs> Eve Palastri on Twitter would be much Uh, like me on Twitter, constantly having to be like, no, that comment was facetious. Oh, man. (laughs) I don't really believe that. Uh,
0: Eve Eve Palastri on Twitter is something that I now desperately want. Um, So we're going to find out there's this guy who works for the 12 Money Man, Charles Gruber, right? Uh this is who Constantine's going to come Is that what his is wrestling it? name? Yeah, the Money Man, <laughs> the Money Man, Money Charles, Man Charles Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the uh I don't know, the Sultan of Euros. Uh, but Charles Gruber, no relation to Hans or Simon, as far as I know. Was he
1: Gruber or Kruger? Uh, I don't know. I didn't have my captions on. Uh,
0: I think, I, th- I thought Gruber, maybe Kruger. I don't know. I want to say Gruber now to believe that he. All
1: right. I, officially it's canon. Yeah. He's, he's Gruber right. cause that's better. Yeah.
0: We can make diehard jokes. Mick Gruber. Uh, but yeah. he's, uh, so he's gonna, he's gonna bring up the fact that this money, uh, the $6 million has been siphoned from this Geneva account and has no idea who's doing it. And, uh, Constantine is now being tapped to, to look into this. So, uh, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm a little bit struggling to figure out like, what's the connection here in terms of where is this going? Is this involved with the character that we already know? Um, do you have any thoughts about any of the, the, the money chicanery that seems to be going on?
1: Um, no, and I'm not sure we necessarily have the suspects we need at this point. Yeah. But there are some interesting there are some interesting connections that happened this episode that I think we should put a pin in, um, because I think I think it all comes back again to that one throwaway comment that Villanelle made that one time where she said, I think if you go up far enough, we're all working for the same people. Yeah,
0: yeah. Feels like a good bet that that's where we're going.
1: Because an interesting thing that I clocked, um, Constantine has this conversation with um, with Charlie the Money Man, and he, they talk a little bit about, um, oh, yeah, I, my son's a modern dance major, and he's about to graduate, and he can pop and lock.
0: Have you ever locked and popped, Kostya?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think Kostya has ever popped or locked yeah. in his life. <laughs> um, but they have this this conversation. And then later on, when we see, when we see him again and Carolyn has picked him up, she has this conversation with him that suggests she knows a lot about him. Right? But Josh, did she give him one detail about his life that we hadn't already heard him exchange with Constantine in that very short conversation? Um, I'm not sure. It was interesting. Like all of those beats were exactly the same ones. He broke down with Constantine, which says to me that she and Constantine are trading information yeah. or she has him bugged somehow because she he seemed surprised that she knew all of that. It's not like their best buds. So that was interesting to me. Like she didn't have a single piece of information that we didn't hear in that previous conversation.
0: Yeah. A mutual bugging is potentially what's going on here. Kostya uh, has has bugged uh, Carolyn's house via the, the bus magnet. And maybe Carolyn has Constantine bugged somehow. Um, or they're just trading information outright as possible.
1: Yeah, I think it could be both. Like, they could be mutually bugging, and they could be trading information, because it's like there's information that you give somebody that you are working with and information that you withhold because you don't trust them.
0: Yeah. Um, Before we leave the scene, it is worth pointing out uh, that we get a reference to Constantine's daughter for the first time in a little while, who was an incredible character in, in season one. Uh, where uh, the money man asks Constantine, how's your daughter? She's still a little shit. And Constantine says, she's like a little shit taking a shit on a big shit. And the three shits combine into one enormous shit. (laughs)
1: That's, that's like Negan levels yeah. of
0: poetry here. I mean, that's like Ian Malcolm looking at the big pile of shit. Like you got to take your glasses off when you're making <laughs> when you're making that description. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh all right, so Villanelle's coming to London. She's got a job in London. She's also at this point because we we talked about the scene where she was in the square. Uh Dasha like called her out on like she was sending uh she was getting ready to send a postcard to uh, to Eve. that was like, see you soon. Um, and Villanelle was like, I'm...
1: I thought the postcard had Villanelle's assignment.
0: I thought... That I she thought was it, going to London. I thought that it was... It was... That she was... Maybe. Maybe that's it. I thought that she was, like, taunting Eve. She was trying to taunt Eve and Dasha, like, figured that out and still was sending her to London and being like, just go to London. Like, you had... Like, this is a job. This is easy stuff to do. I might be wrong on that.
1: I, I couldn't tell if that was if she has if she was about to write Eva postcard because she really didn't seem like she wanted that. Right? She didn't feel like she was ready. I don't think someone who is not ready to see someone is going to send them a postcard that says "see you soon." But you know, villanelle is weird. Yeah, but sometimes so. you jump the
0: gun, right? Like sometimes you're like, "All right, the smart thing to do is just like to wait until I'm like fully ready," and then sometimes you just send the postcard way too early. Uh, this is a very human thing. So I'm not talking from experience. I have no idea. No, I'm sure you're not. I have no idea what any of this feels like. Um, but she's coming to London because she does have a job here, and we'll, we'll get the full extent of the job later. Uh, but this is the scene where she goes in, and, she's, and with, her, with her full, natural Jodie Comer voice, uh, I want to smell powerful. Uh, the whole thing. I want her, <laughs> her description is incredible. I want to smell like a Roman centurion who is coming across an old foe who in battle once hurt him greatly. But since then, the Roman centurion has become emperor and is now powerful beyond measure. Um, Please make that like into a like bottle that up. Uh, if, If BBC America isn't bottling that up and shipping that out to people, a great mistake is being made.
1: Well, here's a funny thing, Josh. We've seen perfume before play a role in this show. Um, We've seen (laughs) Villanelle send Eve a bottle of perfume, and we've seen her kill somebody with perfume. And And
0: accidentally kill somebody with perfume, too. (laughs) That, too.
1: And an interesting side note is I'm currently reading my way through the codename Villanelle books, Uh, like just in case there's something that we can do akin to the comic book zone. And really, they are very different. There are kind of seeds like you see little... Pieces of it come into the series, but one of the interesting things to note is that Villanelle takes her code name from the actual perfume. Okay, cool. So it's not a surprise that this is going to be kind of a recurring motif
0: on the series. Um, so meanwhile, uh, Carolyn is going to go out for like a stakeout. You know, she wants to she wants to run into an old contact, make it look serendipitous uh how uh, i adore a coincidence she says uh what that's such a good line so many good lines in this episode
1: yeah and then she plays it off like she's going on a tinder date Uh (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's pretty good yeah you know there's another universe where she was going on a tinder date and she got catfished Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like that dude was just staging the coincidence
0: definitely absolutely uh, I guess he's, they haven't seen each other in a couple of decades. Uh, that's how long it's been since he got divorced. Uh, she's like, and so there's like this heaviness there that like they had an affair that caused the divorce. And then he cracks himself up. He's like, divorce for the first time. Oh, it's so funny. Multiple divorces. What a oh, gas. Comedy. What a wow. gas. What a gas. Um, and She also has that great line of uh, she's just been stood up. Don't worry. I'll have him killed. Uh, so they're going to go out for uh, for some sloppy late night eats and some slop, yeah, some
1: sloppy something, sloppy else.
0: something else, some drinks, some salacious, salacious financial gossip. Uh, and the next morning, she is uh, she's deeply, deeply hungover, but she's got some intel. Uh, and I do believe in, in my notes here, I say I do have it as Charles Kruger. So I think that you're right uh, that Charles Kruger uh, is is the person that this is this is connecting to, this is somebody that Carolyn has some connection to as well. Uh, so she's going to go, she's going to chase down this lead. She doesn't want Eve to do it. She doesn't think Eve's going to get anything out of this guy, but she's going to, she's going to go and knock on Charles's door and see what she's, uh, she's able to do. Uh, she says something to the effect of, it's not fun using people you once loved. It's all rather painful really. And she leaves and, uh, (laughs) I think it's Mo and Eve who are like, do you believe any of that? She's like, no, I'm pretty sure she loves using people.
1: <laughs> I really want to see the Carolyn prequel.
0: I do too. Like, I want to see
1: Carolyn 1999.
0: That'd be fun. That'd be fun. I think that that'd be really, really, really great. Just like getting, uh, getting eyes on all of the early stuff that she was doing, I think would be amazing. Um, Villanelle goes to Build a Bear. Was that on your bingo card this week?
1: You know, after the clown thing, <laughs> I threw the bingo card out the window because uh, who even knows anymore? Uh, um, why was Villanelle in Build-A-Bear? Was she really getting presents for Eve or is she still like on this idea of am I missing out on something? I was, I'll, I'll tell you right now, Josh, I was very, very worried when she took that baby that we were going to Send Villanelle into this spiral of self-discovery where she decides she thinks she's ready to be a parent and she wants to settle down. And you know other shows have done Mm -hmm. this where they just take some character out of nowhere and make them have these weird paternal urges. And – I like to think Villanelle is a little better than that. Yeah. So what she was doing in Build-a-Bear I really cannot say. Yeah.
0: I don't know that I'm ready for like the lone wolf and cubification of Villanelle. Like I don't think <laughs> I don't think that's nice I don't think that's something I'm ready for. Uh, she goes to the Talking Toy Factory. It's not actually Build-a-Bear. Uh but she is building a bear. Uh and she's doing the thing where she's, you know, you record your voice so that when you squeeze the bear the bear says something. Villanelle having some trouble landing on exactly what she wants to say. She's making this for Eve. Uh, she starts with "I should have shot you in the head," Then she goes, "I should have shot you in the head and watched you die." I don't know why I turned into Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, <laughs> and then it
1: well, it's the it's the panoply of accents that you get out of Villanelle. It's very confusing. it's very
0: tough. It's very tough. Uh, but it it is it is a little strange and surreal to see her in this. But there is something childlike about Villanelle too. You know, like she is sort of like. She's like the kid that like, you know, can't stop doing terrible things to like push the boundaries. uh, Know what's appropriate, except Villanelle, you've had a long time to figure out what's appropriate, what's not.
1: Yeah, there is something kind of arrested development about her.
0: Oh, my God. Now you just put that in my head. Yep. (laughs) Villanelle infiltrates the Bluth company. (laughs) That would be pretty incredible. Um, That would be amazing. Hey, guess what? Nico, nowhere to be found. Nico's Left the building.
1: Is he done forever? Do we think we're ever going to see Nico again? Uh, I
0: mean, for his sake, I think that should be the case, right? Like, I think he's left. He's checked himself out of this facility. He did not leave a forwarding address for Eve. Did not contact Eve at all. It's very sad that that's, like, the state of the relationship. It's probably good for Nico to get out of Eve's life. Uh, He's in Poland, apparently, or he said something about Poland, is what the person at at the facility says um but uh yeah i think that that uh, more than anything to me that feels like a commentary on the state of things for Eve, right like it feels like a commentary yeah. on just like how far off the off the off the off the farm eve has wandered uh with her job and and what it's what it's brought into their into their life uh that she brought villanelle into it and it, you know got nico out of it all of that seems like that's what this is this is what you know this is what this is addressing
1: yeah well let's hope that um let's hope for his sake that we don't see nico again
0: that would be my preference um eve does see villanelle again like
1: <laughs> yeah this is this is totally bonkers <laughs> in the best possible way because i know josh you have ridden on a new york city bus or two in your sure. time so this is not the first time you've seen something like this go oh down.
0: no for sure for sure for sure uh fisty cuffs. Uh, abs- uh or or some sort of like dispute uh that has gotten very very heated uh but turning into like a full on like head smashing head butting uh like uh scuffle from seat to seat to seat to seat to over a seat uh that I probably haven't seen before. I don't know that I've seen anything that is quite of the level of intensity of the eve and villanelle reunion i also really appreciated that villanelle was wearing like what doug funny wears in the think big music video
1: <laughs>
0: and what was she wearing yeah. did she take
1: it looked like it looked like david Byrne's suit <laughs> from stop making sense
0: i thought that maybe because we see later in the episode that she uh is at constantine's house did she like take that from constantine's wardrobe? Is that like one of Constantine's suits? <laughs> it's close. Because it looks gigantic on her, so I thought, like, oh, maybe, maybe that makes some sense.
1: Yeah, or maybe that's
0: just the look this year. Yeah. I I'm not mad at it. I love how she just kind of oh, like it... rolls up in like the, the beige suit. Power move. She's wearing her power she makes suit. Everything work. <laughs> um this was cool. Like, this is this is a great representation of the dynamic between these characters. Where of course when they reunite. What we're going to be left with for Eve is literally going to be, I don't know whether to kill you or kiss you. You know, like that is that is what we get from the scene. They just literalize that.
1: I think the really funny thing is when she does go in for the kiss, it's sort of like she's almost doing it because she feels like that's what Villanelle wants her to do. And she's not really sure what the exact way to move forward in this interaction is. And she's like, well, I guess I'll try this and it turns out to kind of not be the right thing and kind of yes be the right thing like they're both kind of into it but then that's really not what Philadel wanted from her and you're still not clear on what exactly it was that she wanted and this actually leads me to an interesting point Josh that I think is worth discussing and it's interesting that we are 3 episodes into this podcast and we haven't really gone here with this but when you go into fan forums for this show uh, the prevailing fan sentiment seems to be the end game is Eve and Villanelle together and they need to be with each other. And I'm shipping this and I feel like their chemistry is so electric. And my question to you, Josh, is are we supposed to want Eve and Villanelle to be together? Because I kind of don't think
0: they we do. I I think I think we do in the sense of. I I think the way we're supposed to feel about it is not far away from the way that I felt about Villanelle threatening the baby at the start of the episode. You know what I mean? Like, I think, yeah, I think like you're supposed to like laugh in spite of yourself. You're rooting for them in spite of yourself. Like, you're rooting for them in spite of like better sense being like, no, this is terrible. But you're rooting for them in the sense of like, I want the show to keep coming up with excuses to have these characters in the same room. I want the show to keep coming up with excuses for these characters' stories to be intertwined with each other all the way through. And I think that, like, despite, like... Certainly for Eve, I think Eve is an easier character to like want good things for. Like you want like Eve is like kind of sabotaging her life in a lot of ways. Um, it's it's both the job, but also the like the way she personalizes the job way too much and gets way too dangerous. You want her to stop doing that. You want better things for her. But that then the show's over. So you don't want that for a while. So there's tension there. I think Villanelle is maybe a harder character to want good things for. But I think that one of the one of the show's superpowers is making you feel a degree of empathy for Villanelle. At least I feel it uh, as like somebody who who may have been like, you know, we don't know how exactly like she got into the arms of the 12 uh, we can imagine that it 's through shenanigans that are not entirely of her volition that she 's been there since she was a kid hasn 't had a lot of choice about her life circumstances, probably has you know actual like literal mental health issues uh we know that she 's a psychopath uh that prevent her from from feeling things the way that many other people feel uh, that prevent her from feeling something as basic as human emotion and compassion for other people, and that this is something that is um you know, treatable, if not curable, at least. And so, like, I definitely feel a, a, a large degree of compassion for that character, and I, and I want some measure of peace for her, but I don't know if that exists. And that tension exists as well. But wanting the two of them to pair off together in the end, as far as Endgame, that means that very unhealthy things have at the very least happened for Eve, I think. Um, if not necessarily for Villanelle, except for the fact that Villanelle would be with someone who she shouldn't be with because this is very bad for Eve. Um, So as far as endgame stuff, it's a hard pass from me. It's a no from me, Jess. Um, But as far as like the tension of that um, and rooting for that tension to always be expanded upon, I mean, that's the lifeblood of the show for me.
1: Yeah, I, I co-sign all of that. Like, I think it is much more comp, complicated than just kind of wishing that they would consummate their love for one another and realize that they truly have feelings for one another. Because I think they, neither one of them would doubt that they actually had feelings for one another. It's just the weirdness of all of those feelings, the loathing and the affection and the lust and the fixation. It's all so blended together and i think it's it's a really interesting study of a relationship between two people and how messed up and how far down the rabbit hole you can go with it but yeah as far as i'm just worried like i'm gonna at this time that we're recording this the episode has not yet aired but we're going to go into the subreddit tomorrow night and we're gonna see like people just squeeing over oh my god they finally kissed and they got together and Not what this show is for me. It's not – I don't want them to kiss. I mean, sometimes I do, but I really don't want – I don't want it in the sense that so much of fiction ends the story with a kiss and is like, well, now everything is perfect because they have kissed and – that's not what this show is, and that's not what I want
0: for. No, I mean, I'm I'm fine with it as long as like it's very much on the mind of the people making the show that that is a very messy choice. You know that I'm good with. I'm I'm very good with that. Um, the second that the show takes a turn that like even Villanelle being together, this is like a positive thing, and now world be ready because the power duo has arrived. That I'm not so here for. That's when this starts like rounding the corner past Dexter season four. You know what I mean? Like now you're in like the back half of the series uh, and really your series should have ended by now. Um, Like that's, that's what I would be concerned for. I think like Villanelle clearly has like, has those kinds of romantic feelings for Eve. And I think that we have been um, led to wonder if Eve has those same feelings for, for Villanelle, but I think for Villanelle, for sure towards Eve. Um, So I'm not, I'm not upset at the idea of like the two of them having like a physical connection, as long as that is like very clear to us that like, that's danger. <laughs> that's not yeah. good. It's not We don't positive. want you to go in the basement. Yeah, don't go in the basement. We're- exactly. Exactly. Like, get out of the like, house. It's not a happy end. Get out of the house. Uh, yeah. The other uh, thing to consider with it, though, is like, how much is it Eve being clever here and being like all right, I'm not going to be able to physically overpower Villanelle. She hits her a bunch. She like whops her in the nose. But the second that Villanelle decides to like physically fight back, she just has Eve down on the ground in seconds, basically. Like she has her on the, uh, on the you know, flat on the seat uh, in no time at all with no effort whatsoever. So is, is it like a clever move on Eve's part that in this moment, her best offense is taking Villanelle off guard and kissing her? um so the bugs bunny move in a hundred percent she goes she goes and pulls a bugs bunny on her um i think that that's a read on the situation for sure
1: yeah i i like that read a lot that's a that's a very
0: good read uh yeah also to call that the bugs bunny is great
1: yes well i mean that's what it, it is
0: literally is bugs bunny invented it uh she goes back to bitter pill after the fight she gets off the bus she goes back to Bitter Pill. I don't want to talk about it <laughs> because everyone's just like looking at how disheveled she is. Uh, yeah. Really, really good. And the
1: whole, well, does this have anything to do with what we're working on? Yeah. That was great, too. Yeah.
0: Well, that's a little. Jamie has just been told, like, hey, so the thing you're working on uh, is real dangerous and you get too close and you can definitely get killed here. Uh, and it's not enough to deter them from digging in deeper. They are uh, uh, nothing if not upstanding journalists, Jess um but uh he is uh, genuinely a little concerned for his physical well-being i think is fair
1: yeah and i think i think he's right to be
0: um, for sure yeah uh so we get like these two parallel tracks of like carolyn and mo are going to track down charles the money man kruger it is kruger um mm-hmm. they're going to track him down while eating uh, little toffee treats toffee eclairs uh what's the chocolate yep. hits your lips it's so good i they're they're not wrong. Those are good. Things. I bet I guarantee I I, I haven't had one. Uh, I can I can imagine it's great. It was,
1: I'm an international snack enthusiast, yeah. and I can assure you that they Is are. Is there
0: something that like I can buy on the Internet? That would emulate what oh, it is yeah. they're eating? What what do I look for? I, I think toffee eclair is an actual thing. Okay, to- and I will find a link and I will tweet it out. All right, uh, maybe we can put it in the show notes, too. It's just to make that even easier for people to get their toffee eclair fix. We deserve nice things yeah. in this world. It's, it's a
1: Cadbury product, Josh. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm ready for that.
1: And in fact, you can buy it. Um, looks to me like you can get them on Amazon. Oh,
0: my God. Oh, geez. A toffee eclair Googling it right now. Ooh, it does look mm, really currently good, unavailable as most things on Amazon are. Uh, yeah. It's like, so it's like toffee with chocolate in the middle.
1: Yeah, it's got like a it's a chewy outside, like a kind of a soft caramel. And then the inside is kind of a fudgy. Yeah, that, that sounds
0: that sounds like what I that sounds like me. A little bit of a fudgy inside. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm into this. I'm into this.
1: Right. This is this is definitely up your All right,
0: alley. I'm going to look into the toffee eclairs. Uh, so they're they're snacking on Toffee Aquares, they're gonna run into Kruger, they're gonna be driving with Kruger, interrogating Kruger a little bit. Um he's not really giving them all the information they want. You're absolutely right, Jess, that uh Carolyn is coming at him with all of the information that he gave to Constantine. Really good clocking on that. Meanwhile, Eve is like going over it with Jamie, it's like, all right, so there's this assassin I have some history with. She's not here for me, so who is she here for? And they piece together like they know that Carolyn's going after the money guy. Uh, And it's this whole very tense scene where Villanelle's dressed up as police. Uh, Carolyn's not picking up the phone. Uh, Eve's text etiquette, I think, requires a little bit of criticism. Uh, Danger Villanelle after you is what she writes. But what she actually writes is D-N-G-R-V-L-L-N-E-L-E, double exclamation mark. (laughs) after you just the u double exclamation mark i guess i'm not mad at after you but i feel like the danger villanelle she's really like really tempting autocorrect there uh i feel yeah.
1: like yeah and also it's 2020 we're not being charged by the character to text anymore yeah. you can spell it out you could dictate it like open up your iphone hit the microphone and just say say what you mean yeah
0: uh, but D-N-D-N-G-R, like That's no one's abbreviating danger. Danger's a pretty, it's a pretty straightforward.
1: Yeah, word. <laughs> and I feel like if you're abbreviating a word that is not commonly abbreviated, aren't you just inviting Carolyn to sit there looking at her phone, and being like D N G R? Yeah. Is that like T T Y
0: L? Do not go yeah, racing. Do not go right. Turn left. Uh Yeah. What is D N G R? Uh, yeah. So. uh it's too late. She gets the text just as Villanelle pulls up to the window and shoots through. Uh, and we get to see the aftermath. And did you, was there any piece of you that thought Carolyn was dead when we're like lingering on her face and there's blood on her forehead?
1: Well, yeah, they just freaking killed Kenny. Yeah, exactly. They just freaking killed Kenny. So it's like they could have killed Carolyn, too. That's a thing that could have happened. Um I literally, I'm watching it, and the gun gets in Carolyn's face, and I'm like, "No!" And then a minute later, I like, "Oh, well, did it like miss Carolyn and hit Mo? Like, did the gunshot actually like was it intended for Carolyn?" And then I'm like, oh, right, no, it was intended for Charlie the Money Man. Yeah,
0: the Money Man is deceased. Uh, cl- he cashed it in. Clean shot to the head. Uh, who knows? Maybe. Just hear me out." Is it possible that Villanelle shot through the window to break the window and then tossed a tuning fork through uh, the money maker's head? Three for three.
1: I I I doubt that she's going to try the same mm-hmm. mo twice. Yeah, okay. That seems like not a Villanelle yeah,
0: thing. Yeah, yeah. No, we can wish. We can dream. We can dream. Uh, he's dead, so no real progress, and a brush with death for Carolyn, uh, who seems she insists when she goes home to Geraldine. I'm fine. But I do need a whiskey. So Carolyn hitting the sauce pretty hard here in season three. Again, understandable. Worth being a little worried about, but understandable.
1: Yeah, I mean, she just got grazed by a bullet. Of course she's going to get
0: a drink. Yeah. I think you would t- Her son's dead, you know. she's. I think she's, she's just been almost assassinated. This is fair. Yeah, this is fair. Um... What else is going on? So, so Eve is gonna is gonna is gonna go home. That's gonna be the end of the episode where she has the bear uh, and the she pushes the bear and it's it's Villanelle's voice. Admitted, Eve, you wish I was here. Uh, that's the very end of the episode. Even though there's another scene to talk about, uh, and I, I'm she again doesn't know whether to like kill you or kiss you, sort of deal of like I don't know whether to be like terrified or kind of enthralled by this. That she lives where she lives now and villanelle knows how to get there like she doesn't live where villanelle like has been to before it's a new place like she's living a very tight new life to like get away from all of this and the fact that villanelle can track her down even to this place it's like a sign to eve like you're never going to be free of villanelle
1: yeah uh it, it is it's pretty creepy and i think at this point there is the i don't think the weird attraction thing is there
0: right now that this is just pure fear yeah, i think it's fear but she does keep you know pressing it again, you know, over and over again. So, uh what is it what is it that No, no, no. I don't know. Yeah, I'm a little nervous. A little nervous for uh for this dynamic. Um meanwhile, villanelle's at Constantine's house. I he had to know that she was in the bed. That was Yeah, that was, a, that was fun. That was a gimme. It was very fun, but it was a gimme. Uh It, it was very fun. <laughs> yeah. She just pops out. I I love her relationship with Constantine It's really really great. Uh so he needs to get the six million euro is like his big concern. He's not he's not interested in any of this. Uh, she's just obsessed with like, what kind of baby do you think I was? She just watched the, the you know, the, the newscast of the baby that she had stolen being reunited with her father. Uh, and so now she's wondering about herself. What kind of baby was I? Do You think people smiled with joy when they saw my little face? Constantine says, I don't think so. I saw I saw a picture of you as a baby. Strange head. Bulbous. Unnatural.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, this is exactly the answer that Villanelle herself would give if somebody asked her a question that was dumb as that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're ugly as hell. But I,
1: but I think this does, uh, you know, we've seen how much Villanelle loves trolling young children. It's like her favorite thing. Yes,
0: she's a fan. She's a fan. Yeah. Uh, she wants Constantine to fi- find my family for me, is what is what she wants. So is that like the direction that we are going in now? That Villanelle needs to tap deeper into her roots, she wants to explore the origin story
1: I, I it seems like this is the direction we 're going, and I am really a little concerned about this because I feel like when you 've gotten to know a character for two seasons now and you haven 't really tapped into the origin story it 's like there 's a point at which it 's too late to go mm-hmm. there, and when you circle back to that, you risk sort of Revealing too much information that destroys the mystery of the character. And I really worry that if we get everything about what Villanelle was like as a young child and where she came from and how she got involved with the Twelve, I think the actual story we'll get at this point. We know her too well, and whatever we learn is just going to be so much of a letdown because it can't live up to what's in our head.
0: Yeah, I think I would be more worried about this if it wasn't killing Eve and this show is of a of a quality that I think that they could pull it off but I am still worried about it. Like it's it's I'm yeah. less worried about it. Uh I think that you bring up a really good point that this typically is difficult territory for a show.
1: Uh Yeah. And I mean you you hear it in my voice. I I do not I've, I've seen so many shows do this so badly, and I've watched so much TV ruin so many things that it's like I I need to be more trusting because this is a great show, and they probably will handle it well. But we've been down this road so many times before and been burned by so many prior lovers that it's really – It's hard to feel like this one's going to do us right. It's
0: hard to feel like this one's going to do us right. So we'll see. We'll see if that's even where it's going. Um, You know, TBD on that. We're almost halfway through, if you could believe. We're almost halfway through season three of Killing Eve. Uh, The next episode coming up. Do we have an episode title for it? Still got it. Still got it. Coming up May 3rd, 2020. Uh, all right. All
1: right. <laughs> you'll still got this podcast right. next you week you
0: still got this podcast next week. Jess and I will be back recapping season three episode four of killing Eve uh Jess, anything else going on anything you wanna hype up
1: um. Not really at the moment. I have got a few pieces in the hopper for primetimer.com in the feature section, but they will not be up for a couple more weeks. So when that happens, I'll give you guys a heads up and let you know where to check those out.
0: Awesome. Well, you can always follow Jess on Twitter at Haymaker Hattie, whether it's about podcasts or a primetimer piece or even a link to a a toffee eclair. Uh, You can you can count on Jess and you can count on me as well. Not for the toffee eclairs. Uh, but for the podcast content, at least uh, at Round Howard on Twitter, on the Instagrams where you can see me getting a haircut, didn't go great. Uh, but it's all right. What are you going to do? Beggars can't be choosers in quarantine. Um, we got it's a bargain at twice the price. I place, agree. Josh. I agree. All right. So we've got a lot going on in post show recaps. We've got uh, we've got the Killing Eve podcast. Westworld is barreling to a close. We're very close to the end of the line on on Westworld. Joe Garfine and I've been uh, podcasting about that. You've got a Better Call Saul finale feedback show this week with Antonio Mazzaro and Rob Sesternino. Lost Down the Hatch is continuing. Everything is Super is continuing. That's our Marvel Cinematic Universe rewatch that we're doing. We've also got Sporadic Final Fantasy VII remake coverage as well. So a lot happening. Make sure you're following all of those things when we'll be back next week to talk some more Killing Eve. Until then, everybody, take care. Smell that power. Enjoy it. Goodbye. (laughs) By the way, real quickly uh, before we close out, uh, a late addition to the podcast. Uh, We got a theme song for the Killing Eve podcast, and it is tremendous. It's absolutely tremendous. Big thanks to Corey and Jeffrey Powell, uh, who are responsible for this incredible song that you are going to hear at the end of this week's podcast, and we are definitely going to use it every week moving forward because it's a bop! Uh, to the tune of Juice by Lizzo, here it is. The Killing Eve post-show recaps theme. Killed Bill while others dance, no oh honey, that ain't cute. Constantine is a boss, tell a girl what you gotta do. Eve works for MI5, it's tough baby, so is she. Teams up with Carolyn, now baby, that's a dream. If she's awake, somebody's gonna die. Off all high fashion, look and fly. When she kills, you know your mama's gonna cry. I got a question, just ask Kenny. He's your guy. yeah, that psycho's on the loose. Yeah, she's coming.